In this series, we interview game changers from around the globe about digital ethics, online activism and social media. We get to know them, their stories and how they have harnessed one of the greatest phenomenons of our time. A little warning, most of our episodes are for adult ears only with frequent droppage of the F-bomb. I'm Roisin Bevan. And I'm Daisy Grant. And this is Harness. I'm going mum and I said, well, give me a hug. And then for some reason, I don't know why, I just couldn't stop hugging her. And I like hugged her four times at the door. And she was so happy and bright. And she's like, love you mum. And just skipped off the veranda. And little did I know that would be the last time I'd see her alive. Sonia Ryan has lived through a nightmare. In 2006, her 14-year-old daughter Carly started speaking to a boy online called Brandon. 18 months later, Carly went to meet him face to face. Instead of the young musician from Melbourne she was expecting, she was confronted with 50-year-old Gary Newman, who Justice Trish Kelly would later describe in court as an overweight, balding, middle-aged pedophile. He brutally killed her before leaving her body on a secluded beach in Port Elliot, South Australia. In 2010, Newman was found guilty of Carly's murder and sentenced to life behind bars. His suspected accomplice, whom we cannot name, was acquitted. The case was unique. Carly was the first Australian on record to be murdered by an online predator and the details, horrifying. Not only did Sonia live through it, but she's gone on to do incredible things. She set up the Carly Ryan Foundation and works tirelessly to protect children from suffering at the hands of online predators. She's an educator, global speaker, and now she's even a lawmaker with the 2017 introduction of Carly's Law, which we'll talk a bit more about in this episode. She's a fierce advocate for young people and their right to use social media in a safe and empowering way. We knew we wanted to talk to Sonia from the outset, and we are so glad that we did. Without fear-mongering, she somehow manages to get you to see the danger and the beauty of the online world all at once. She also shares profound advice in this episode about loss, trauma, and connecting to self. It's fascinating and universal. We met her face-to-face in our London studio. She was here on invitation by the Home Office and to work on an upcoming book. The first thing you notice when you see her is how beautiful she is. And then she speaks and somehow she's even more beautiful on the inside. She's warm and kind and despite everything, full of love. A warning, this episode may be triggering for some listeners and is not suitable for young ears. We talk about child abuse, grooming, sexual violence and murder. Please see the show notes for a list of numbers you can contact if you're feeling distressed and how to support the Carly Ryan Foundation. Here is Sonia Ryan. Thank you so much, Sonia, for being with us today. Welcome. We are really, really deeply honoured. If you, for the rest of your life, lay under a duvet and hated the world and everyone in it, everyone would understand, but you don't. Are you a real-life superhero? No, I'm not. I am <laughs> I am just a mum who loves her daughter so deeply that I, I essentially she will not suffer as much as she did and nothing be transformed from that suffering. So for me it's about there's nothing I can do to change what happened to Carly. Um, so 
what am I left with? I'm left with two choices. I either die Mm. and I was pretty close to it or I fight and my love connection with my daughter is so strong that it kind of like turned a light on in the darkness, in that blackness that Newman created. It kind of just transformed that horror Mm. and honestly something happened to me. I got connected to something so incredible that even I couldn't have conceived of, of, of what was coming. It was almost like being, um, it was like a dial tone to her, mm. like a connection to her, and it kind of blitzed everything else. So I just concentrated on, on Carly, on what she may want me to do because she was so light and so compassionate and so beautiful and so precious and loved everybody. So, okay, she's going to want me to do whatever I can to make sure that what happened to her never happens to another innocent child again in the future. Um, for no other child to have to see that side of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, that horror, you know. Um, and so really it kind of became my directive essentially to go, okay, well, what can I practically do um, to to um, help police update legislation, um, bring it in line with current technologies, you know, um, there's just so much um, and I've got limited time because at some point it'll be my time to go. So I just, it's kind of head down, go for it. And as far as I'm concerned, there's limitless possibility. So I don't, ha- I don't put any limit on anything that can be done mm. um, and there's no reason why we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of believing that we can. Um, and as I said, going back to her suffering, she could not have suffered so much for nothing, mm. you know, for, for things not to be able to be possible, you know, because there has to be um, kind of that contrast from dark to light. And so it's kind of in all the work that I do. So she, you know, she's with me and everything I do, I, you know, people might think oh, it's a bit kooky, but actually I feel her a lot in what I do, particularly when um, we get an arrest or we've, Uh, shared a disclosure to police and they've prevented a crime it's just extraordinary Mm. you know I can't and Carly's law Mm. you know we'll we'll kind of get into that and what that means for for Mm. other children in the future so I feel like the answer is yes I can't say it but yes I am a real life superhero I mean it's unfathomable people who don't have the trauma that you've experienced don't do half the things that you're achieving and I'm not saying that to be a sycophant but it is something that we are in deep deep awe of and everyone driving your passion is phenomenal maybe I should explain to you kind of what happened um when I lost her in that groundless grief I literally had nothing left to defend So I was completely open and completely void of, it's it's kind of like the layers of yourself just dissolve and you're left in this kind of nothingness. And in that nothingness, um, I was connected to something. I'm not religious or anything like that. I'm very black and white, very practical. But it was like something was ignited in me very deep within. 
it's kind of like um, a meditative state and this kind of feeling came in my chest of this extraordinary strength. It was like something something kind of just happened mm. and then all of a sudden I felt like I could breathe, I, could, I had real sense of clarity um, and then all this help started coming in and um, things just started. I, I kind of the best way to explain it is I felt like I stepped into flow. Wow. And, and that was just a sudden yeah, moment. Yeah. It was like being connected to source, like I, whatever you want to call it, universe, wherever she is in whatever dimension. I don't know how it works. I'm just a human. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, and I don't want to put any like man-made ideas or, or kind of mm. I don't want to because I'm, yeah, I just, I, it's just so big that I can't, I kind of can't find the words for it. And in that space that I was taken into, I was sitting, it was like I was held in the most extraordinary love, like love that you cannot describe. It was like no love I've ever felt, mm. immense love and endless love. And it was like... Um, it was so beautiful. It, it kind of just held me. And in that space, I sort of, I, I kind of, it, it was like she saved me. She actually saved me. All I wanted to do was save her, but she actually saved me by connecting me to something bigger than myself, something bigger than something that exists that's bigger than all of us. You know, I guess maybe the universe itself. I don't know. Because I, you know, I'm no guru or anything. I don't know, but the Buddhists that I was connected to, I was connected to the um, author of the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying and the Dalai Lama's uh, entourage, and they said that in that pure uh, state, that is when that's when you are when you can be most connected. And so um, now, in my daily practice to keep myself in this space, I'd go to meditation because everything we need is already within us. Mm-hmm. Um, people search for happiness and everything they need outside of themselves, but actually everything's already mm. already within and um, people just don't realise it. Mm. So that so basically I was connected back to my true nature, back to my back to my true self, that part of yourself that nothing can touch. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are people that are listening that could relate to what I'm saying on a deeper level it sounds like a bit of a you know teaching or a bit of a but it's actually so profound got nothing to lose I've lost everything so you know there's no reason why I would you know sit around trying to you know come up with kind of this uh, rubbish to make everyone feel better around me it's just I've just it is You've just the way it is practically yeah. do it and make a change yeah and- it's just the way it is so then I became so in th- and the reason I explained just explained what happened to me is because then it gives you a little bit of an understanding as to why I am connected mm. and I'm I am I am I'm very much in the moment and Have I just ever... I exist, exist sort of moment to moment. I'm not grasping. I'm not attached to the past. I'm not grasping at the future. I'm just here now and I am focused on preventing harm 
against innocent, beautiful children who have the right to get online and connect with each other and find opportunity and use the space as it was intended to be used, essentially. And I will do uh, nothing will stop me mm. from doing. It's just kind of like this tunnel vision focus. And that's kind of what drives the work. So actually what drives the work is a power of love. Mm. And what an amazing antidote to hate and, you yep. know, the hate that was brought into your life. Yeah, thrust you onto us. Thrust mm. onto yeah. you that yeah. you never asked for. Mm. Especially when Carly um, just emitted love. Absolutely she did. And so if I'm any kind of superhero, I'm just like, you know, that care bear that with a love heart. <laughs> you know, that just and you've beams, got a love heart on your hand. and That just beams out. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, the love heart on my hand is um, Carly said to me, Mum, when I turn 18, can I get a love heart tattooed on my hand? Of course, she didn't make it to 18. So when she would have turned 18, I went and got one for her. That's beautiful. Um, and I just got it kind of topped up here in London, actually, because oh, the colour was coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you share with us what it was like to become a mum and to raise your Incredible. daughter? Incredible. What a gift. You know, I was so young. I was only 19 when I had her. Wow. Uh, and I was on my own. So it was really, yeah, it was really hard. But she kind of, without even knowing it, helped me get through some of the hardest times of my life, you know, in between jobs and having to find housing and whatever. And and I even when I felt like giving up, I'd just look at her and sh and I'd be like, come on, we can do anything. Let's just do this. Let's get things happening, get in you know, people to share. She's like your little guru. Yeah, she was like so my little ways. guru. Right? Mm. So I'd just always kind of look at her and nothing was too much trouble or nothing was too hard. So it just kind of um, propelled me to just keep on trying and trying. And so we were extremely close because um, I'd had her at such a young age. She was kind of like a bit, a bit of like my world really. And so that's why when... I lost her. The devastation was so great because we were so close and I could not believe that he had convinced her to go and meet him alone without telling me and that the, the way the manipulation had, had kind of worked. And I kind of think that maybe, you know, because Carly didn't have her dad around, um, even though she had great male role models in her life, mm. that that's maybe why he was able to um, get in and get her to do things that she normally wouldn't do because he was kind of also not only trying to come in as a young boy, but he was also trying to come in as as a father, as yeah. a father figure. You should figure. be able to trust a father figure. Yes. And yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, particularly one that, you know, shows identifications, supposed security <laughs> you, guard. Yeah. Could you <sighs> could you share with us what happened in yeah. 2007? Yeah. In 2007, well, to, beginning of 2006, Carly met a boy online called Brandon. He was talking to all of her friends. Uh, he was talking to her best friend uh, and he saw Carly's profile picture and he said to her friend, who's that? Uh, and her friend gave him Carly's email address and they started talking. They were talking, he was talking to all of her friends, like in the friends group. And it wasn't unusual for them to be speaking on MSN and online. Um, that's kind of how they were all connecting, you know. Um, and one of her friends, one of her good friends had met a boy online and now they were boyfriend and girlfriend. And, you know, they just all thought it was you know, so cool to be able yeah. to connect with people all over the place. And what year and was Carly friends. born? 
She was born in 92. I know so many people of our age listening to this will know exactly what that mm. fun sort of the excitement, the excitement mm. and um, all of that would feel like. Yeah, and, you know, um, holding up the phone line because it was all dialing. Yes. And it was like, oh, <laughs> gosh, MySpace, MSN. It was like, get off the computer, darling. So our computer was in our kitchen and she'd be chatting away to him and a bunch of other people as well. And um, she'd say to me, Mum, I met this really nice guy. She was a bit besotted. She thought he was amazing. You know, and, and even to share that with you shows the level of mm. closeness that you had. Mm. A lot of people would have kept all that stuff secret from yeah. their mum. But yeah, and you had Because I was kind of over a shoulder a bit and the conversations were all, you know, typical teenage conversations. I didn't see anything kind of strange or inappropriate or anything like that. So he was very clever in, t- in talking like a teenager. Anyway, over time... Uh, she wanted to introduce me to his family. So, Mum, I want you to meet Brandon's dad, Shane. I, I want you to meet his, his brothers, um, telling me about the family, telling me about how Brandon's dad was a security guard and he was this and that and, you know, really trustworthy. So I talked to him on the phone, this supposed father. And then over at some time, I think it was about 16 months after they'd met online around about, he said, hey, I'm coming to Adelaide. And I want to drop off some presents from Brandon for Carly. Um, I'm coming through. Is that okay? And I said, well, that should be okay. Couldn't see any reason why not. I meet lots of mums and dads from lots of different families all over the place. It was nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And so he came through to Adelaide and we met him up at the hotel in the main street where I live because I, I wanted to suss him out first and get his ID and everything, which he gave to me. Little did I know that it was all fake. And the security um, uniform he had on with the embroidered security logo was all fake, all of it. He had multiple mobile phones with multiple different SIM cards. I mean, the level of deception deception was just, there was nothing could have prepared Carly and I for this kind of criminal, nothing. Because you're Especially not when criminal. our lives, when we're surrounded with loving, beautiful people, my dad's Italian, very open, very warm you know just always brought up to welcome people to you know to and you'd even put up those boundaries that Mm. probably felt uncomfortable to have Mm. to ask someone for their id yeah you know you'd already done all of those things and yeah and like i said i just didn't know that of course i were fake and then um we invited him back to the house to come and have a coffee and we were preparing for Carly's birthday. And he was like, well, let me help. Like, let me go and get some stuff from the shops and then before I go, I'll just, I'll, you know, just help you guys. And my whole family was milling around. So we met my whole family and just acted like a dad. Nothing out of the order. He didn't sit next to Carly. He didn't, like, he didn't do anything strange. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was nothing that I picked up on initially and as and then he said well I'd really like to stay around for her party if that's okay um and you know we were busy we were getting on with it and he's like yep I'm, and, and I'm like yeah okay sure um and all of her friends started coming in and there was music and food and everything it was a fancy dress party and the kids were all having a great time and in between all of the kind of party Brandon supposedly called right and I believe that that's the person that was acquitted from the trial that I can't name. Anyway, um, 
And Carly said, look, I'm with my friends. It's my birthday. Can I call him back? And I watched this Shane, this father, react very strangely. He was really angry. And I, in that moment when he, the way he reacted, I got alarm bells. I'm like, uh-oh, something's wrong. Something isn't right. And so I kind of questioned him on it and then he settled down, he apologised and I thought, okay. So then um, we ended up sort of going through the party and everything, everything kind of said everything was okay, everybody was there, her friends were there, they were sleeping over. And I said to him, look, you can just take the spare room instead of going and getting a hotel, it's fine. There's a spare room in a home. And um, in the morning when I got up and started to get ready for work, I got up and he was laying in the kids' room on top of Carly's mattress asleep. He wasn't under the covers, but nevertheless, he was on her bed on top of the covers and with all the other kids in there. And I don't know what it was, but I got to the door and I'm like, oh, God, something's this is not right. Who does who? What adult would go and rather be with the kids and with the adults for one? Yeah. And something's just really off. Yeah. And so I basically woke them up and I said, get the hell out of my house. Yeah. I said, get your stuff. Get out of my house. I don't like your vibe. I don't know what you're up to, but you're far too involved in what my daughter is doing with your son. Didn't like the way you behaved last night with her. And and I just told him in no uncertain terms. He just puffed himself up and was really kind of quite aggressive. Mm. He grabbed his things, didn't say a word to me. And Carly was crying her eyes out because mm. she just saw, oh, no, now I'm going to have my connection to Brandon lost. Mum, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't. But I can I knew. So imagine doing that to my mum. He'd left and we were sitting at the table and her cousin was sitting across the table and I said to her, Carly, something is wrong with this situation. I think he could be some kind of weirdo, like something's not right. And then she kind of sat and she looked at me and she, I think part of her knew that something wasn't right because but she, didn't she was want to believe so no, it. but because she was so wrapped up with Brandon, it was like she just couldn't, she just didn't want to believe that it could be true. And she's fourteen, and I she's was yeah, say that fourteen. It's not even just her nice nature; it's literally your teenage your age, brain yeah. can't yeah comprehend the yeah. possibility of those things happening or see that far into the future. You know. So then I sent him an email and basically said, "Stay away from my daughter. Mm-hmm. If you make any further contact, I'll go to the police." I've got your details, da, 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 da. He then sent a very threatening email back um, and said um, if I contacted him again that I'd pay for it or something. It was just awful. It was horrible. It's in the evidence. The police have got it. Um, little did I know how much hold they had on Carly. So without me realising it, they had um, the home phone number, uh, that he had sent her a SIM card, I think, or some kind of phone credit in the post and somehow convinced her to meet them alone. I believe to this day she thought she was going to meet Brandon. So Gary Newman came back from Melbourne, back to Adelaide to um, meet her and I really truly believe that she thought she was going to finally, after all this time, meet this, um, this boy that she just saw was incredible. Uh, she got... And she told me that she was going to a friend's house. They all met in the city. They'd catch the bus, go down into town, hang out together in the mall, go back to friends, have a sleepover. It was a usual occurrence. Yeah. And so she kind of got dressed up, got her bag packed. Um, and at the door, she's like, 
I'm going, Mum, and I said, well, give me a hug. And then for some reason, I don't know why, I just couldn't stop hugging her. And I, like, hugged her four times at the door. And she was so happy and bright. And she's like, love you, Mum, and just skipped off the veranda. And little did I know that would be the last time I'd see her alive. Mm. And then she went to obviously meet them. And what she... Why do you think she said that, you know, was there something in her that wanted to just hold on a little bit longer? I don't know. I don't know because she was oblivious. She had no idea what she was walking into and you could see it in the CT, CCTV footage that the police had of her walking down the street with the two of them. She was just skipping along completely, like had no idea. And so I don't know why to this day he came back to Adelaide and killed my daughter. Mm. Whether he thought that he was going to get found out, I don't know. It was just horrendous. It's like she didn't go along with his plan and didn't, um, I guess, find him attractive as a 50-year-old man, mm. his strange, strange madness. Yeah. Uh, and, as um, if he wanted to punish her for that. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, he's, just, he's just a woman hater. He just mm-hmm. doesn't. I don't know what happened to him. Mm. So, um, you know, for me, and then, of course, you know, I'm you know, I'm thinking Carly's at her friend's house. I checked in with the parents to make sure it was okay for her to stay over. And that night um, I had a feeling to kind of go uh, and go and stay with a friend because I just felt I just felt out of sorts. It didn't feel right. It must be a mum's kind of intuition or instinct. So I just didn't feel very good and I – went and stayed with a friend and Carly messaged me and I messaged her, are you okay? Is everything all right in that evening? Yep, yeah, everything's great. I think it could have been him that messaged me and not her. I just had this feeling, this sense. But anyway, um, got back in the morning and tried to call her and no answer. Her phone was off and I'm thinking, okay, this is really strange. My daughter is a teenage girl and she never, ever has her phone off. Something's because teenage wrong. girls don't have their phones off. They have them on constantly. Yeah, yeah. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I went looking for her, searching for her, calling everyone, couldn't find her, it was becoming more and more panicked. Little did I know that they'd found her body at 6am that morning on the beach, um, beaten. It's horrendous, redressed. I don't even know what they did to her. I can't think about it because if I if I if I stayed in that space, it would just absolutely destroy me. Mm. I just can't stay there. Mm. Um, but I'm searching for. I didn't know where she was, and then I got a phone call from a guy who said, "Is this the home of Carly Ryan? I found her purse on the side of the road, and it was ages away from where she was supposed to be." And I immediately rang the police and put in a missing persons. And within an hour, there were police officers at my house, and they wouldn't leave. I'm like, why are you guys hanging around? You know, um, and then detectives started walking in my house and I looked at the police officer and there was tears running down his face and I just went, oh, God. And they just said, sit down. And they just said, we found the body of a girl that matches the description of your daughter. And even then it didn't register. It was like, don't be crazy. It couldn't be her. Why? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Like there's no no way it could be her. And um, I had to identify her the next morning. So I had a whole 
Night. That day, night of pacing, still trying to call her phone, trying to find her, and um, we. So you'd been so in that in those hours. Are you telling yourself it's it can't no. be true? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's yeah. not her. It's not her. It's not her. It's not her. It's not going to be her. Don't be silly. And that's the conviction of you calling her as well. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Pick up. And yeah, yeah. She's going to be okay. And then um, in the morning, early, went down to major crime, and. Oh, God, we pulled up. I stepped out of the car and as I stood up, I felt her. Like, it was like she just rushed into me, her whole being, like her, I don't know, soul, mm. something. And I I felt her so strongly and I, I was like, oh, no. I kind of knew, but then I also couldn't, accept it so I was still trying to go no couldn't be her couldn't be her and then of course we go through the process and next minute I'm in a room with a glass window in front of me and a curtain and the detectives say you ready and they pull the curtain back and oh my god it's her beaten fist clenched jaw clenched and in that moment I just fell to my knees and that was the end of my life mm. I thought that was it. Mm. I'm, I'm going to die. Mm. It was just, and it, and in that absolute horror mm. is when I was connected to something else because I wasn't there. I just, I completely fell to pieces. How could anybody hurt her? Why would anyone take her life from her? She's such a beautiful, beautiful, soft, gentle-natured girl. The devastation, it was just annihilation. Mm. And so then, you know, you don't just have the crime, then you've got the coroner's process, you've got the investigation. And as the investigation's rolling on, you're suddenly seeing all the tools that he's used to manipulate her we find out that Shane is not a real person that Brandon's fake and not even not even real huh what do you mean Brandon's not real well actually this guy Gary Newman's been running over 200 fake profiles online to lure kids and you know um, when we arrested him he was talking to a 14 year old girl in Perth trying to arrange a meeting um, and, you know, so here we are dealing with this guy who's got all these personas online pretending to be young boys to lure girls. And so my, it was like, oh, God. And so I, in that moment, I thought I have to do something because we're in this beginning, you know, the internet's invented and it just runs and there's no safeguards put in place, no legislations put in place, no kind of groundworks put in place just it just goes tail, isn't it, about it just goes trying to clean up yep. the mess rather yep. than put things in yep. place and what a, a perfect anonymous borderless platform for criminals to migrate to to infiltrate the lives of innocent people so i just knew it was like this immense clarity okay you've got to do something mm -hmm. she she you know she would want you to do something you've got to do something so i had to wait until the trial was finished mm. and how he long was did found that guilty process uh take before he was found guilty three so years investigation wow. uh three month trial so you have the trauma of the worst thing that's ever happened to you imaginable mm -hmm. happened and then you have the repeated mm -hmm. trauma of 
you know, at every phase there's another blow. And, you it, know. and it was horrendous. Yeah. Let me give you one example to so you get an understanding of the suffering. Get a phone call from the coroners. We need to remove her brain. Do you want her back with her brain or without her brain? Um, we need to do tests to see what how her head injuries were were made. And I'm sitting on the floor. I'm going, I think to myself, oh my God, can't you get in a car? And come up to my house and sit down and explain to me why you have to do this and give me some practical, mm. you know, kind of help me kind of get through this. Mm. But it was just, you know, after we picked Carly up, then I had to go and pick up that part of her. And it was sitting on my lap in the car in a bucket with a lid. I'm driving down the down the street and I'm just going, how can this be real? This can't be. And I'm watching everybody just do their lives, pushing prams and shopping and, you think, and um, honestly, you're doing it's just like I want time to stop. Yeah. It's like can everyone just stop because this is just – it's like the worst horror movie you could ever imagine Times but, a million. And people have to re- people have to hear the horror to understand the miracle yeah. that I'm here today mm-hmm. and I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm not on any drugs. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't do any, you know, I'm not on any, not that there's anything wrong with being on, on, some, on some kind of, you know, helpful prescription drugs, but I'm just not on anything. I'm just completely clear i think it's really important to hear all of those those details because i think it's as i said to truly understand the level of obviously people say the worst thing that can happen to you is to lose a child Mm. but to lose a child who has been murdered Mm. who's been abused who's Mm. been manipulated the trauma of every single thing every little bit of information like breaking your world more Mm. finding out you've been manipulated Mm. finding out all of those things you Mm. know how how does one categorize that and still exist Mm. well that's why when i was saying to you that she saved my life Mm -hmm. she saved my life she showed me that there's more to this life than i can ever imagine and she connected me to pure love and because I was connected to that purity, it kind of blitzed everything. It just, it was like turning on a light. Wow. Honestly, as I sit here with you, hand on heart, I have been connected to something just incredible. And this is part of what I'm writing about in my book. Yes, well, mm. that you're in London and we're lucky enough to be doing this um, interview with you face to face, but you you live in Australia. So mm-hmm. what are you, why are you here and what's brought you here? Well, um, Carly's Law. Mm. So drafted legislation back in 2013 to give police the power to intervene sooner before a criminal has the opportunity to harm a child because the legislation at the time meant that police could not arrest until a person had harmed the victim. So to me, of course, that's too late because then you've got a victim of crime if that child survives um, and then they will suffer for the rest of their lives. So at what points now from Carly's law, at what points can the police uh, intervene? 
So Carly's law is like anti-terrorism legislation. Any preparation to harm, including sexual activity with a minor under the age of 16, and including a defendant misrepresenting age online, which is exactly what happened to Carly, would mean police can then arrest 10 years' imprisonment. It passed in 2017 as Commonwealth law in Australia. Incredible. So when people say, I can't do something, don't ever say <laughs> you can't do something because wow. if you have enough passion and belief behind something and you do not stop, you are capable of doing absolutely anything. And I did. Mm. Um, and so now after, we're here. Yeah. Exactly. So after he was found guilty, mm-hmm. how soon um, did you know that you this was your calling, I guess, to to start your foundation? Oh, straight away. Straight I away. had a real sense of clarity in that space, in that love space. Um, I um, just had such a I, – I could just see everything so clearly and simply. Mm. Um, and I – just could see what needed to happen and so I just started doing it. So I started off, incorporated the Carly Ryan Foundation, started creating education programs for schools and real talk. So, you know, actually talking to kids about what they need, um, not about what the adults think they need. I mean, so I getting, remember being in assembly at school and yeah. being told, "Yeah, we don't use the internet in this yeah. way because and just being yeah. it's just not told relatable. not to use it, mm. essentially. Yeah. And that's the only way that we can... And it's we knew so things. much um, less about it, you know, in 2007, mm-hmm. yeah. 2010, after he's found guilty. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, essentially I... My, the way that I educate kids is the first thing I'll say to them in a school is I am not here to lecture about online safety. You get enough of that. I'm here to talk to you about how your choices affect your own happiness. Mm. I'm the mother of a girl who was brutally murdered and, of course, that is the worst thing that can happen to anyone online. But I just want you all to have really positive experiences and great connections and use the internet as it was intended to be used for good, for connection, for opportunity. So how can we do that and minimise the risk of being taken advantage of? So there's so many layers to this education because we need to teach our kids emotional intelligence, resilience, critical thinking skills, getting to question the world around them and empower them so that they're not ever in a, a position of feeling vulnerable where they can be taken and taken advantage of in a negative way in some way, physically, emotionally, financially. So that was kind of the beginning of the education program, which then was never marketed and just took off because it was just all word of mouth. And because it's a real lived experience and I'm Carly's mama and I'm standing there in front of these kids, she connects me. And so then when I'm, when I'm connected, then I'm having a, a real conversation with them and they're just, you could hear a pin drop because they know, they feel that I am there for their benefit. I'm not there because I could, you know, if I wanted to, I could just be a, I don't know, stay at home, become an interior designer and mm-hmm. bake cakes and pat my dogs. But I just want, my motivation is so strong to prevent suffering for others And I just care about, I genuinely care. It's my motivation behind the work of the foundation. There's no agenda. There's no financial agenda. It's just, I just want to genuinely help people. And I think it's not until you've been through such immense suffering Mm. that 
people kind of can understand that. And so that kind of started with that. Then we started to go into Carly's Law. And so coming back to your question of why I'm in the UK is because we're bringing Carly's Law across to the Home Office. So I've come across to write my book. My writer lives in London mm. um, and he's amazing um, interpreting my journey. Uh, as well as writing my book, I've met with the Home Office. I presented to all the child exploitation teams, presented them all with Carly's Law. Then we went into a, other meetings where I advised and I'm going to be consulting on the Online Harms White Paper. Um, then we went to the House of Lords and I met Baroness Floella Benjamin, who's amazing. We had like this instant kindred spirit connection mm. where she just I don't know she's just she's a she's an absolute powerhouse of a lady I love her to bits already and I've only met her once <laughs> but we had such a connection and I know that I'll be doing more work with her yeah. um so what's her role within well well she works for children yeah essentially I mean she apparently she used to be on play school here Did years she? ago yeah Brilliant. She, but she is her passion for children mm -hmm. and for their welfare and well-being is just obvious the moment mm -hmm. I met her. So she's asking a couple of questions in Parliament tomorrow on my behalf. Um, and, you know, just media, um, uh, meeting people, uh, making connections. Um, you know, I did a, a Facebook Live interview. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff going on. But mm. I've been here for most of April and it's just amazing here and I've met some amazing people and, you know, it's just, mm. it's a lovely, lovely city. Um, except I am busting to go to Amsterdam, uh, Edinburgh, um, Milan, yep. Malfi Coast. Mm. Yeah, and it's also yep. within yep. France. Yep. It's all and I just are. want to go. So I just need to stay here for like a year. How much yeah. longer have you got in the UK? I'm leave tomorrow morning. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I leave tomorrow we morning. Can do a quick so. trip to Edinburgh. Yeah, Greek four hours on the train. Come on. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, I know. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. Amazing. But, you but know. it's like even to have this sort of zest for life, to want to see beauty and in soak travel it all up and, and mm -hmm. to see the world and to meet new people, you know, even that is just uh, I'm in awe. It's the know. power of love, girl. Yeah. It's the power of love. Mm. Love can overcome everything and anything. Mm. It's just Honestly, it's the most powerful force in the universe and that sounds a bit, you know, cliche, but it is true. Mm. I don't um, think I've ever believed it from anyone until you were saying it, it right so now. It is so true. Yeah. It is absolutely true and there are so many people losing loved ones all over the world and mm. honestly, my message for anyone who's lost somebody that they love deeply, you know, just understand that that love exists beyond death. And that nothing can cut that connection. You just have to hold on to the love and think mm. about what the person would want for you, what they want you to do in reality. And that is to live, love, smile, honour them, you know, be have the most extraordinary life. And I, I, I say that and, I, and you know, it, it's not like it's not hard because I miss it every single minute of every day. It's like yeah. that physical separation is so hard for everybody. Mm. But... We got one shot at it. Yeah. And we got limited time and we just gotta go for it and just love and just, you know, 
look after each other, mm-hmm. support each other and kind of just be real with each other. I just, there's, for me, there's no time for anything else. Yeah. You know? And has this journey meant that you've met other families who have mm-hmm. been through what you've been through or have... Um, other victims of crime, primarily child abuse victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to connect them to hope mm. and a way forward mm. and trying to address the trauma mm. and what I call the trauma body because the, the body just has trauma responses. So right. understanding what's actually happening to them, understanding that it's not their fault mm. um, and actually giving them some hope, you mm. know, um, and... and yeah, it's just connecting them to what I'm connected to. Mm. Mm. I just feel that so many people are so lost. Life is so hard for so many people. There's so much suffering in the world. Mm. But honestly, if one can connect back to self and rely on self and be able to be with self, and, and honestly, I totally am an advocate for meditation mm. because we are our minds are so busy hopping around like little fleas <laughs> about this and that and the other if you can just still your mind and just be with yourself um because a lot of people just can't be with themselves it's like being with a stranger if you can just yeah. sit and be still and clear your mind and come back to your true nature and just do little you know, 10 minutes a day in the morning of just resting the mind and coming back to the present, mm. it really makes such a difference in your day-to-day life. How do you reprogram that trauma of flashes, images, moments, Absolutely, times like, there is. you know, in your the mm-hmm. core of your body? How mm-hmm. do you, even hormonally, like your body's pumping with stress, stress, mm-hmm. stress all the time. How do you correct that how do you slow that over time how do you stop those flushes love love connecting back to the love channel um self-nurturing you know run a bath eat some warm soup it sounds all very simple and practical but it really helps you know light a candle be in nature go and sit on the grass go out into a park and go and lay in the sunshine you know just doing stuff for self people like do just things for a reason yes exactly and how yeah, do you it's really trust important. people again when you've been so deeply betrayed betrayed well yeah. it's that it's that it's so devastating on so many levels because he was somebody's little boy once what happened to him to turn him into such a monster so black i don't know i just i can't even i don't even know where to begin with that one but he made a choice. It was his choice. It had nothing to do with Carly and I. We're made of, she's made of stardust and light. And we're so separate from that. Um, you can't control what other people choose to do or how they choose to be. But what I can control is how I choose to be. And essentially, underneath it all, I really genuinely care about people. Mm. I don't know. It's just in my nature. I'm not sure where that comes from. It's just that being that connectedness, mm. that um, whatever whatever it is I've been connected to. And as I said, my book will explain it really well, um, and it should be launched here in Europe by the end of the year, hopefully. Oh wow! I can't wait to read that book. Um, but it, you know, if people go to our website, it's just carlyryanfoundation.com, 
and keep an eye on it. We'll probably put a, a mm. launch date and everything on the, on that website. We'll absolutely be pushing out. <laughs> this um, sort of sweetness and openness and, and trusting nature mm-hmm. that Carly had, mm-hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit how the the nature of teenagers makes them inherently vulnerable. vulnerable? I think just because, you know, kids are just used to um, – yeah, that, that generally, not for all kids, obviously, because there's trauma and generational trauma in many families. But for most kids, the people around them are normal, loving. Their experiences of the people around them are just generally good. And so they're not prepared for somebody to come into their lives to try and take advantage of them in some negative way. And so they're just open, willing to share their lives, happy in the moment, just really, you know, on the scroll, not really thinking about too much, um, certainly not thinking about their safety, so spontaneous and just pure. Mm. Maybe because they haven't been conditioned by the world yet. So Mm. they're more, they're closer to, you know, when a baby's born and they're just so amazing. And then as you become older and older and older, then everyone around you tells you how you should be, what you should be doing, what you sh- who you should be with, what you should be doing for work, and you just become conditioned by the world around you. Mm. And so I think you become more away from that true nature. You are literally purer at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's mm. kind of what I got thrown back to, mm. I believe, mm. when all the shit just dissolved off of me. The my e- yeah, my ego, yep. everything just kind of dissolved away and I was just left in that really pure state and that's when and how I connected back to wherever it is we all come from I think I don't know but um it's that conditioning and so kids so teenagers aren't so well they haven't been most of the time haven't really been traumatized or gone through multiple relationships you know by the time we get into our 30s 40s 50s and 60s we've been through some tough shit yeah. You know, we've been, you know, life is difficult for everybody. So it's just, I just think it's just so important for for people to not underestimate the capability of, a, of an online predator or an online criminal. Even if you think your child is the most intelligent, most amazing child in the universe, it doesn't matter how intelligent they are, nothing will prepare them for that mm. manipulation, that cunning nature, that... That, inf- that that person trying to infiltrate their lives. I mean, as you said, the man who killed your daughter, mm-hmm. he had over 200 yep. online profiles and was talking to girls mm-hmm. across the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And did you say he had looped vision? Of- looped vision of a, mm. of a boy typing, which I believe was the second person involved. But obviously that second person was acquitted. Um, and, you know, we can't name him. Um, but he... Um, mm. There's nothing I can do about that one. I just have to leave that to the authorities and Mm. I have to focus on what I can do now. And what I can do now is amend legislation, advise on legislation, um, update sentencing. Um, At the moment we're looking at sentencing reforms. I've given a proposal to um, Minister Peter Dutton Mm. in Australia in Mm. relation to what could be done around that. I just feel that, you know, why is it that, you know, 
people are being given little or no sentence for serious crimes against children. We're talking raping babies and children here, mm. you know, and as much as people don't want to look at it and put their hand up and it's just so awful, people kind of just shut down. Mm. And I understand that it's hard, but if we don't face what's actually going on and see our victims, see our children and what mm. they're being faced with, then we are letting down generations. Mm. Yeah, because that is happening and otherwise we're yep. failing them. We're failing them. Yeah. The system's failing them. Absolutely. Less focus on the perpetrator and more focus on the victim because the perpetrator is making a choice to offend and there has to be a consequence yeah. for that choice. The victim is not choosing to be offended against. They are the victim mm. of the crime. I know everyone has the right to a defence and I know we have a justice system which is... I would rather know, call it a legal system than okay. a justice system. Mm -hmm. but we have a legal system mm. which, and I'm all for, you know, that being a fair system mm -hmm. and, and I mm -hmm. understand how much um, perpetrators, you know, need... The, they have the right to be thought of as innocent before mm -hmm. guilty, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think people are willfully ignorant about the amount of evidence that even has to go against someone before they hit trial, mm. the amount of work that has to be put there. And look, you've got to think of the investigating officers. Yeah. Could you imagine what the investigating officers have to view Mm. When dealing in a child abuse case, mm. we have task forces up and down the country in Australia that are doing the most incredible work. I don't know what they're made of, these men. Mm. They're extraordinary. But you know what the reality is? They're dropping out of their units. They're committing suicide. We're letting down our officers. We're letting down our children. We're letting down future generations by not addressing this adequately and stop victim blaming. Mm. You know, I just see so much victim blaming. Absolutely. You know, the only person responsible for these crimes are the criminals actually carrying out the act. So the why victim are we putting is so innocent. much effort into them mm -hmm. and not the victims or the potential victims? Yeah, and speaking out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this really strange thing. I find it really odd and I've picked up on it here in the UK. People too afraid to report child abuse. Mm. Or report some kind of inappropriate behaviour with children because they're in fear that they will be, you know, um, accused or they'll be, you know, mm. they'll have some legal something taken out against them. My like, God, what is going on? Yeah, or we when, just have this thing so much in us of not rocking the boat. Not, oh, you know, gosh. Being nice, but we're talking not. about children being raped, for God's sake. Yes. Let's rock the fucking boat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, there is... Nothing more precious than an innocent child. My God, you know, and if if somebody offends against that child, it completely breaks them mm. as a person. And then they've got to try and get on if they survive to have normal functioning relationships and some some kind of normal life. If they're lucky, they'll, you know, be able to tap into adequate support and help and have adequate support around them. If they're not so lucky, then we see people just dropping off, just people losing the fight. It's just not good enough in my view. And so when are we going to get serious about protecting our children? Mm. When, uh, when is the legal system going to, you know, change the yardstick, the sentencing yardstick, and actually apply really adequate sentencing for crimes against children, mm. you know, maximum sentences? Um, you know, it's just crazy in Australia. You take too many abalone from the ocean, you're looking at like six years in prison. <sighs> Bikey-related crime, armed robbery, years and years. Rape a baby, 
Oh, you might not even get a sentence. You might just get off, you mm. know, after a few months. It's Unbelievable. bizarre. Yeah, it I is. didn't even know that was the case. It's just horrendous. I don't understand. I have how got that's lists even something you have to be fighting for. I know, what? and I'm, I'm, I've, I've got lists and lists and lists and lists of sentences that I could show you that are the most horrendous crimes, mm. and that that the sentence is just. I, I just so can't even, even believe someone, it. It's acknowledged that they have the been found guilty, guilty yep. but the sentencing, wow. Yeah, so it's just it's just horrendous. And yeah, exactly. Why am I? the mother of a murdered child in my own trauma and my own distress, why am I having to fight for this? Why am I having to fight for this? That it's your job now to protect other people's children, you know, and it's uh, you face and continue to face so much darkness, but there is um, such love and light that comes from you. Um, and I feel empowered even just talking to you about these issues and, uh, yeah, you make me care. I'm I'm glad, glad I make you care. Keep on caring and everyone listening, for goodness sakes, write to your local minister, help me create change, help me protect children. I mean, we, we, the power of the people, enough people stand up and speak out towards this victims of crime get in contact with our organization help me mm. you know we can really make a noise about this globally because really the internet obviously is borderless it's all over the world there is this issue of predatory and horrific crimes against children all over the world we need to pull together as a global community absolutely yeah on that note Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. It's been incredible. We really feel so honoured to have chatted to you today. Like, I literally... Deeply honoured. I I just just, like want to cry. Blubbering, blubbering messes. (sighs) And Sonia's sitting here like this absolute dignified, incredible, incredible woman. Daisy and I'm just like... (gasps) I didn't eat my feelings. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I'm sorry. (laughs) Please don't be sorry. Be the opposite of sorry. You are amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Harness. It would really help us if you could like, review, share, subscribe, follow, all that magical stuff. You know what to do. One more thing. We are proud friends of Rafiki Mwema and the Carly Ryan Foundation. Both charities work tirelessly to help protect young people from harm and suffering. Support us by following the work of these amazing charities and, of course, each of the incredible guests we've had on the show. We'll include links in the show notes. Thanks for listening.